This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. take a walk on the wild side get your saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous cd do you know who i am i don't know how to put this but i'm kind of a big deal on 1037 the game hey welcome everybody under the dome with cd getting your weekend started off right Appreciate you listening in, however you're doing so. And of course, like each and every Louisiana Saturday morning, we are coming to you live, as always, from the first South Farm Credit Studios. Baby, we're looking good. And we appreciate you listening in, however you're doing so, be it through that old school FM dial. Power of power, too sweet to be sour, I'm funky like a monkey, sky's the limit and space is the place. Oh, yeah. And of course that free mobile app smart speakers the old.com appreciate you listening in however you're doing so on this louisiana saturday morning whether you're popping that first top a little day drinking as we get started with day number two of march madness and that's always a damn good thing to be talking about the fact we got march madness i'll get to some of the stuff that happened in day one a little bit later but of course the 1037 game hotline is wide open. 337-706-0111. We only have about, I'd say, around 71 minutes at this point in time as we're coming on the air to get to all the stuff that we need to get to. We only got 75 minutes of air time because LSU basketball is throwing us out at 12:15. You heard me right. LSU hoops going to be getting started with St. Bonaventure, the 8-9 matchup. I think there's a lot of people intrigued. That's going to be a lot of fun. Right now you got Dayton and Memphis getting kick-started just moments ago. But we'll get to day one's matchups in a little bit, and I'll talk about my, as I put on the Facebook, my terrible, horrible, no good, very bad March Madness bracket. I'll talk about that. Maybe you can share your March Madness horror stories. Horror. There we go. Just go ahead and make sure I pronounce that. The horror stories that you had from day number one, especially I think everybody's bracket got busted in the 103.7 The Game 10K Bracket Challenge. Thanks a lot, Ohio State, for losing to Oral Roberts. Mind you, their run may have started back whenever they beat LSU. But that's a different story. I want to start off on a little bit of a different note because, honestly, I haven't had enough time to really talk about this on the air. And I'm absolutely like happy that we that I'll have time to get to it in this very segment. Because we're getting down to brass tacks here. We're getting down to what's causing all this on a Louisiana Saturday morning with your sports sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. 
When I signed off the air last Saturday around 1 o'clock, I didn't think Drew Brees would have hung it up just about 24 hours later. I should have known better, though, and expected him to do just that on the 15th anniversary of him joining the New Orleans Saints. I think about that. 15 years. March 14th, 2006. March 14th, 2021. The pie day was when Drew Brees decided to have his children say, hey, you know, we're going to go ahead and kind of ride off into the sunset here. Maybe he should have done it a few years prior. That can be your take. 337-706-0111. If you have an opinion on that, trust me, I would absolutely love it to get your opinion about that on the game hotline. But I want to start off the show with a lot of gratitude. Because I've got that I've got an attitude of gratitude, if you will, for Drew Brees for a lot of different reasons. And I'll kind of list them off one by one. And go a little bit in chronological order, if you will. First off, thank you, Drew Brees, for coming to the city of New Orleans when the city needed you the most. In 2006, the the Saints fans in the state of Louisiana, especially the city of New Orleans, needed a bright spot, something to look forward to, something positive. And you were that shining light on March 14, 2006, when Sean Payton found his man and his quarterback of the future in you. Little did we know how important you turn out to be, not just for the franchise, not just for the city of New Orleans, but the entire state of Louisiana. Thank you for that first game back at the Superdome and crushing the faces of those dreaded Atlanta Falcons. Everyone's going to remember the Steve Gleason block punt, and justifiably so. They always should remember that moment in time. It's always going to be something that we remember. It'll be remembered forever in 100 years. But it was just a great performance all the way around. And the city of New Orleans was, for the most part, reborn in the night. There were still some issues with the city on the whole. But things were looking much better than they did just a year prior. We all remember the images. They're still ingrained in our memories. Everything after Hurricane Katrina. But Drew Brees came in and gave people the power of positivity which is always appreciated. Thank you, Drew Brees, for giving the fan base something to believe in. Again, belief, faith, and hope that things will get better. That's exactly what Drew Brees did with the black and gold. This team was one of the worst in the league towards the end of the Jim Hazlitt era. Aaron Brooks was a jabroni. Lo and behold, Brees comes in, this team becomes one of the best in the league, one of the top dogs. Yes, that NFC title game was a big gut punch. I can remember watching that game at my first ever job working retail because, well, nobody was going into the going into the store at that time. He is well, everybody's watching the game, so we had a little TV set up, watching the game on Fox, having it on the radio. Needless to say, it was a big gut punch, but it gave us the belief that we could reach that mountaintop. We could reach the top of the ladder, and that is getting to the Super Bowl. Just three seasons later, you finally got to that moment fans had waited 43 years for and finally won the Super Bowl. So thank you, Drew Brees, for finally bringing the Lombardi Trophy back to the Crescent City or to the Crescent City for the first time in the history of that 
franchise. It had been a beleaguered franchise for many years. The 43 years, I can remember saying it, the 43 years of ineptitude and mediocrity were null and void because of this one moment. Thank you for finally doing that. Thank you for all the philanthropic things you did off the field. Not just in the city of New Orleans, but the entire state of Louisiana. That speaks to what kind of man you are and the size of your heart. Thank you for the countless moments you created. From the touchdown record that has since been broken. Setting that all-time passing record. Some of those iconic plays in Saints history. They'll cherish those for years to come and forever in a million years. And then you've got all these other things to talk about. Thank you, Drew Brees, for being there through thick and thin. During those lean years when the Saints were constantly a 7-9 team and it felt like this team was just never going to be able to get out of the doldrums. Maybe the franchise was underwhelming. But lo and behold, the story changed. Everything, the script was flipped in 2017. So thank you, Drew Brees, for sticking around and getting this team back in contention and having that opportunity. And if not for the Nolan Noel call, the Saints probably would have won another Super Bowl. More likely than not, Drew Brees would have retired and rode off into the sunset. The only way he would have liked it, I've mentioned it before, he wanted to go out on top. That was his biggest thing. But at the end of the day, it didn't happen. And I've mentioned this before with people many a time over the last 11 years or so since the Saints won the Super Bowl at Super Bowl 44 in the 2009 season, but that happened in 2010. So, for me, and I mentioned this with the Astros as well, having that one Super Bowl, it's great. And the fact I was able to see it in my lifetime, that's even better. Now, if they can win more, that it's Lanyap at this point. It's extra. I don't need to have to worry about anything more. I want to see this Saints franchise climb to the heavens once again. And maybe Jameis Winston is that guy. But that's not it. Right now, it's not about him. It's about this man, Drew Brees. And my final thank you is for this. Hey, Houdat Nation, this is Drew Brees, and you're listening to Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. It wasn't a glitch. That was a liner that we had Drew Brees do a few years ago. So I've mentioned mentioned this story before, but I'm going to reset it. So he was in town to promote the, I think it's flag football. It's a flag football league that was here in the Acadian area and also the new Surge Entertainment Center that they were starting to put together a few years ago. Managed to catch him just after our media scrum. I was like, hey, can you record this quick liner? I had it written down on my phone and everything. Had it in my notes. Gave him my phone. He read it off. He didn't have to do that. He could have just said no and, you know, been okay. And I would have been okay with it because, you know, you could have just turned it down. I mean, who am I? I'm just CD to him. I'm the famous CDD all, but to Drew Brees, I'm just some dude with a recorder and want him to get to record this liner. So thank you. You didn't. You could have just said you didn't have time, and I would have been okay with that. But you took the time to record that liner. And I mentioned it earlier, how much we all respect you for everything you've done both on and off the field. That is another prime example of why 
Drew Brees is probably one of the most respected players in the league. He's not just a man of the year. He's probably the man of the century when it comes right down to it amongst the Saints. Is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? I think there's no doubt in my mind. But at the end of the day, this isn't about being a first ballot Hall of Famer. This is about being somebody that everybody remembers. This is about being one of the most memorable people. And it's, it's it hurts a little bit to know that, you know, come September, we won't be seeing number nine. Hell, we'll probably never see a number nine jersey again, and we shouldn't. Number nine should be retired. Hell, number nine should be t- retired at LSU. At least it's just my take on it. But knowing number nine, Drew Brees, won't be in that number when the Saints go marching into the Superdome. It's sad. But I know there's positive stuff coming. There's more good things coming for the New Orleans Saints. Is it going to be immediate? I don't know. But I feel like there's a chance. If Jameis Winston isn't throwing 30 for 30s, this team could be a subject of a 30 for 30. I'm looking forward to seeing how that all works out. How that all turns out, that's what I want to see. It's time for the next chapter of Drew Brees and his career. And now we stand here before you thankful that we had Drew Brees for 15 years and we got a Super Bowl out of it. Yes, we probably could have gotten more. But at the end of the day, one is always going to be better than none, in my opinion. Saints fans had waited 43 years for it. Saints fans might be, I think a lot of Saints fans, especially the younger fan base, they're going to say, you know, we don't mind waiting another handful of years to get to that point, especially if they've seen the doldrum years. I've talked with a lot of people, and they were saying, you know, I'd be perfectly fine seeing the Saints win a title before I pass on to the afterlife. That's where I'm kind of at, you know. I got to see that title win. What Whatever happens next at this point, as a Saints fan, hell, as an Astros fan, too, it's Lanya. I just want to see this team succeed. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the future looks like without Drew Brees, potentially down the road without Sean Payton. I'm just looking forward to the future because that's where we're at now. There's no more is he or isn't he going to retire. He did. It's time to see what's behind that forbidden door, the door that we haven't opened yet, because I'm ready to see what's behind it. Hopefully you are as well. 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. If you talk, want to talk a little bit about Drew Brees and what he meant to you, the 1037 Game Hotline is open. We're also going to talk about LSU hoops. 12-15 pregame, 12-45 tip right here on Acadiana Sports Station. So keep it locked right here for even more. Back after this on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. He may be considered world famous, but he still goes out and eats a shrimp po' boy just like the rest of us. Just don't talk to him while he's eating. Lay off me, I'm starving. 
Now back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. No, you know, the, the one I compared him to was Larry Sanders when I was an assistant at VCU. He ended up being a top 20 NBA draft pick. Um, he was he was the defensive player of the month a couple times. The NBA had some issues and he was out of the league. But he's the one I compared him to. I mean, Larry had a 7-7 wingspan. I think he's got a 7-8 wingspan if I've read the graphics right. Uh, but, I mean, he is a uh, just a shot-blocking menace, um, tremendous, tremendous player. Um, he's athletic. He hit a late growth spurt, which is what Larry did. Larry was like 6'6", and then grew to 6'11". So that's who I'd compare him to. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Will Wade talking about Oshun Oshini. Definitely a hell of a player for the St. Bonaventure Bonnies. And you'll be hearing that action right here on 103.7 The Game. LSU Sports is living and breathing here on Acadiana Sports Station all weekend long. And I'll get started, like I said, in about, give or take, about 40 minutes with LSU taking on the Bonnies right here on 1037 game pregame 12-15, tip-off 12-45. But, you know, it's like those old commercials. But wait, there's more. Yes, there is even more. It's not only that. Because the fact that this is going to be a early tip, we're going to have right here on 1037 the game, LSU baseball game number two between LSU Mississippi State pregame six o'clock tip first pitch excuse me not tip it's baseball not basketball first pitch six thirty hell of a ball game between those two gonna be on tap. Then we also have on Sunday we've got wait for it. LSU baseball right here on 1037 the game. The series finale between LSU Mississippi State. Hell of a way to start off the 2021 SEC schedule, if I do say so myself. And then we've got, obviously, the NCAA tournament games. That's going to be on tap as well. We're going to have the nightcap of the NCAA tourney round two action. Tip-off going to be slated for about 830 or so. So, So just be on the lookout for that as well. So we got you covered all over the place. And who's to say LSU beats St. Bonaventure, they're going to be playing Michigan. Now, when do they play Michigan? You, Your guess is as good as mine, my friend, because I have no idea at this time what the schedule is going to be. I think they're going to release the schedule after all the Saturday games wrap up in a nice little bow. In fact, I think they already have tomorrow's matchup. So I brought up the 830 tip. It's actually going to be around 840. That'll be the 12-4 matchup. Oregon State taking on Oklahoma State. That'll be right here on 103.7 The Game. Cade Cunningham, a hell of a player for the Cowboys, even though they lost in the Big 12 title game to Texas, a team I have my final four. I give you my details on what I have in my bracket, which obviously, a lot like most of y'all's, is busted. It's not very good. I'll go ahead and say that first. But just based off of where things are, Right here, right now, I think there's a chance that LSU is either going to be playing the 11-10 game or 140-ish. Like They'll be playing either mid-morning, which would be great for us, or they'd play the 140 tip, play the like a midday game, which would be a little wonky. At least this is the way it looks like right now because I'm comparing the schedule for tomorrow's second-round matchups with you've got 
Loyola, Chicago, and Illinois squaring off. Then you have Wisconsin and Baylor the next game. Now, that's nowhere near official, but that's just the way I seize things. It all depends on how it all works out. and I mean, it just makes sense, especially with the way the bracket is, because you've got the Baylor Bears, like, excuse me, yeah, Baylor, Wisconsin, you've got the top half of the bracket. So more likely than not, you'll be the early tip, if again, if this holds true. Could be anybody's guess. It's all about kind of how this whole thing works out. Preferably at, at like a 415 tip. That's just me. But, you know, the world doesn't revolve around the famous CD. But we need to get to what's going on first things first. And that is LSU men's basketball in the big dance. Will Wade finally going to be on the grand stage that is the NCAA tournament. Taking on a St. Bonaventure team, it's it's a game that is clashing of styles. We've been talking about it all week long. We've had pretty much every single beat writer, which is really just about five of the Bonnie's coverage. We've had just about everybody we can talk to about it. It's two different teams. LSU, a lot more of a just straight up, we're going to go ahead and try and score more points than you type of team. But they're up against a team in St. Bonaventure that is damn strong on a lot of different fronts. And right now, it is virtually dead even right now with the line being minus two-point favorites are LSU right here, right now. This is coming from oddshark.com. Let me see. I'm going to check out Vegas Insider as well because I'm sure vegasinsider.com might have a little bit of a different lean on there. I'm going to go ahead and pull that up right now because I'm interested to see how this whole thing is going to work out and see how the Bonnies are according to the guys in the desert. And it's, for the most part, minus two. I'm seeing one and a half from WinBet. FanDuel has them up as at two, one and a half for Circa Sports as well. So the consensus is largely going to be minus two right now. And the over-under for this game, again, this is for the degenerates here, the over-under is 143.5. The consensus is it's going to go under. And you'd be surprised. Again, I'm using oddshark.com. It's a place that I like to look at a lot. Just see the general consensus of how the spreads are. I mean, there's so many different things going on. And the best spread, Five Dimes, has Bonaventure as 9.5-point dogs. They're saying take that one. Yes, I think that I'd agree with them. That's, a, that's 100%. Take that and run with it in terms of a cover. But according to this whole look, they actually have St. Bonaventure's winning 76-65 according to the predicted score, just based off of how kind of the money's going and saying that the Bonnies are going to win, cover the spread, and the total will go under. A lot of it has to do with the fact that this team is absolutely a defensive mindset type of team. I mean, the last 10 games, they have just absolutely, excuse me, they haven't really played each other. I was looking at the history of it. But the last 10 games for St. Bonaventure, no game has really gotten above 80 outside of the win over LaSalle back on February 9th. Meanwhile, you look at LSU, you had very much you know a wildly inconsistent schedule in the month from February 10th onward. You had a 94-80 win, 104-80 win over Auburn. Then you lost to Georgia 91-78 in just an absolute dud of a game. Then you lost to Arkansas. Very entertaining game. 
83-75. But then you bounced back and really kind of started to set yourself up four straight wins, including two in the SEC tournament, and one in particular that absolutely should have vaulted them upwards in terms of the score, in terms of their ranking. And that was the Arkansas game. The Arkansas game should have been the definition of, oh, hey, we're going to go ahead and put them up as a 7 or a 6 seed. Damn near every single analyst I was seeing. Hell, I saw some analysts have them ranked as high as a 5 in their bracketology. That's insane to see how much that one game, according to those guys, and those guys spend an excessive amount of time breaking down every single game and being able to determine how this whole thing goes. Meanwhile, we've got the NCAA tournament, and I'm just going to say it, maybe there was that, not SEC bias, but I think there was bias towards one Will Wade in terms of how they made that decision to go ahead and say, we're going to completely denigrate the entire state of your victory. Your victory it does, uh, your victories don't matter in the SEC tournament because we don't like you. And we're going to go ahead and, and peg you as an eight seed. An eight seed. That's exactly where you didn't want to be. I felt like, at best, this team was a six. A seven was kind of where they were going to land at because they were able to pull off everything they needed to pull off. Four straight wins, a strong win over Arkansas, and a tip-in away from winning the SEC title. Obviously, that was not the case. And it's like, man, this sucks for LSU. Yes, you're playing against a Michigan team that is is without one of their key players, one of their key cocks. That's a big plus. That said, I'm a little concerned. I'm a little dubious about if LSU could win that game. And if they do, who have they got? Who is next in line? My bracket has Georgetown. Can you pull it off against a Georgetown team that is red hot right now, coming off of a big tournament win, and if they manage to pull off a win over Colorado later today and beat Florida State in round number two? I mean, right now Georgetown's losing by 10 with 12 minutes left in the contest, but if Patrick Hewing and the Hoyas can turn this thing around, you know, that could be an opponent you play in the Sweet 16, and if there's one team I wouldn't want to play, it's it's those cats. Now, obviously, if they don't pull, if they don't win, then it's probably going to be a team like a Florida State, which you definitely don't want to play right now. It's a number four seed. It feels like that's gonna that's gonna be a pain, and you're gonna keep you're gonna hit that Sweet 16 wall. That said, if LSU gets to the Sweet 16 this year, that's a massive win. That is a big, like. Pin it on the wall right now. We did this. In the middle of a pandemic year, we pulled this off. Look at us. Hey, look at us. And yes, you know, Will Wade pulled no punches. He said they had a crappy non-conference schedule. It's justified. But again, that's just the state. That's kind of the hands you were dealt because you're playing in the middle of a pandemic. And you had games that had to be canceled because team caught COVID. You, I mean, Will Wade caught COVID. So you knew that was something you had to deal with. Now you're wondering, where do you go from here? I think, honestly, Will Wade, if this team gets to the Sweet 16, it's going to be a it's gonna be a win for this team. Just a, a big check mark on an LSU athletic year that, on the whole, 
hasn't been all that great. LSU football had one of their worst years in a long time. LSU women's basketball couldn't even make the women's NIT. And mind you, I think Nikki Fargus should be fired, should be let go very soon. LSU gymnastics, the first year without DD Bro, they're not bad. They're just not as good as you'd think. LSU softball, up and down, up and down. You can say the same about Cajun's baseball. Cajun's softball, excuse me. Cajun's baseball is looking a little bit better right now. They beat TCU last night. I'll get to that towards the end of this hour. But right now, LSU basketball, the men's side, has been an absolute bright spot. This team has really stepped up, especially since kind of that SEC Big 12 challenge stumbling out of the gate or stumbling in the final moments against Texas Tech. Yes, they've laid a couple eggs. Case in point, the Georgia game. The Georgia game doesn't happen. I think we're talking about a much improved LSU team down the stretch. Losing to Arkansas, you're playing in Bud Walton. And I've mentioned it before, I mentioned it last week. Playing in that arena is a tough go. Playing on the road is what it is. Playing a neutral site, and you pulled off a win against Arkansas, and we're tipping away from beating Bama. Probably one of the best SEC college basketball games I've ever seen. And I caught like the final moments of that game because I was having to drop off my truck and bring it to, to the shop to get some body work done. But, yeah, that was the whole thing. And I was just sitting there like, okay, this is what I've been waiting for. This is why I love sports. These are the moments like we saw where it's like the team came up short. But, man, it was highly entertaining. And hopefully you enjoyed it as well. And hopefully you're enjoying this show. All right, we take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to kind of get into what happened with the NCAA tournament, day number one. And, of course, I'll break down my terrible, horrible, no good, very bad bracket next. Right here on Acadian Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com. The preps to the pros and everywhere in between. I gave it a uh, a ten, a ten. Let's get back under the dome with the world famous CD on Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037, The game. Eight seconds left. They trail by three. Orange. The jumper doesn't go off the window. Not to the outside. Washington off the mark and it's over. It's March. Expect the unexpected. You gotta love Iron Eagle out there just putting together a phenomenal final call for that Ohio State upset city ball game last night. Hopefully you enjoyed that, especially if you picked them. Lo and behold, your boy CD definitely was far from it. In fact, very few people. I saw this pop up last night. I'm gonna go ahead and pull it up because I retweeted it. This is what happens sometimes. I have like a billion things. I retweet, quote, tweet, and everything in between. I can't quite remember exactly what it was. But there were, according to Matthew Barry, a whopping 13,992,289 brackets picked the Buckeyes to beat Oral Roberts. This is coming from the Four Letter Network's tournament challenge. A lot like ours, our 10K bracket challenge, which if you've entered in, 
I think the perfect brackets all went away, thanks in large part to this game. So basically, according to this, 103,125 remain perfect after that. Five million perfect brackets were busted by Oral Roberts beating the Ohio State University. And as of right now, only 108 remain after day one. And on the other side of that, 93 brackets. I find this amazing. So there's 14.7 million brackets going on right now in the tournament challenge. As of 11.33 Eastern on day one, 11.33 p.m., I should say, 93 brackets did not get a single pick right. That takes another level of, like, I'm not going to say ineptitude, because that's a bad word to say. Like, this is just beyond, like, bad. This is just you going ahead and pretty much picking every single game underdog and probably picking the ones that were the opposite. You want them going Costanza on every pick. How is that possible? How is that possible? It feels like you, you see you hear it all the time like sitcoms and stuff. Whenever you hear about, you know, the guy that pretty much just said, Hey, I'm gonna go like he took his SAT but forgot to fill out his name and you get you fill out your name, you get six hundred points on the on the SAT or whatever. But however it is. I haven't taken the SAT in years. But that's the whole thing. Like you pretty much had to really screw up your bracket to pull it off. That said, your boy screwed up his bracket a good bit day number one. Day two, not looking too good right now, mind you. Dayton tied with Memphis. Oh, wait, this is probably NIT stuff. Let me go ahead and pull up just the March Madness action. This is what happens sometimes. It's like you, you have so many games going on. Yeah, Georgetown, Colorado is the only one going on right now in the NCAA tournament. Right now, Dayton, Memphis is just simply put a game on the board. It's a NIT matchup that's playing right now. So Georgetown's losing 25-14. I have Georgetown making a run all the way to, to the Elite Eight. So if they lose, my bracket is done. My bracket is about dead. Now, I haven't lost any of my Final Four yet. But I wouldn't be surprised if that happens too, because it's been a bad run so far. So right now I am ten and six. I have ten right, six wrong. My six wrong, and I'm so mad at this one in particular. My the, the last one of the ones I got wrong last night. North Carolina. I am so mad at buying into the hype of North Carolina. Like, why do I continue to believe? that North Carolina is any good. Immediately, this was, you know, the one bracket I did. I put forth some concerted effort into making sure this was a damn near lock of a bracket. I sat there for about 10 minutes. Because this is this as much time as a woman to put in to make this an ideal bracket. I'm not going to overthink too much. Because once you do... And I am a king of overthinking. You can ask anybody. 
I overthink a lot and I jump to worst case scenarios. That said, when I filled out my bracket, hit save on it, I said, you know what? I like this bracket. I like this setup. I'll give my final four in a little bit. But I like this setup. Because there was potential for things to happen. Of course, the number ones won as expected. Villanova won. I knew they were going to win that one. Now, how far? How much further did they go? Anybody's guess. That said, Texas Tech, Arkansas. Even though Colgate gave them everything they had, you know, four out of five dentists recommend not playing Arkansas and having them lose in a big way. Florida somehow, some way, eked out a win over Virginia Tech in overtime. Then, of course, Ohio State or Roberts. That was a big whiffo, but that was most everybody. So I can I can live with that. I can live with that. I, I had Ohio State going to the round of 32 and then lose to Florida. I can live with that. Now, Will Roberts lose to Florida. I'm not as happy. He said we could have a Cinderella story going on. Illinois, of course. Georgia Tech losing to Loyola Chicago was another one that, that hurt. Mind you, Georgia Tech, I had him going around 32 and losing to Illinois. But Loyola Chicago losing or winning was like, why did I not think of this? Sister Jean is there willing this team to victory. She is out there 105 years old, double vaxxed up, and ready to go. She's out there cheering on the Ramblers and and using the power of prayer and positivity, hold it down P.O.P., to get this team, boom, to the moon. And I love it, to be honest with you. It's great. But damn it, I felt like an idiot. Because the second that happened, I'm like, did I really just screw up my bracket by not picking Loyola Chicago? After their run last year, a couple years ago, the 16 beating a 1? What was I thinking? Then Tennessee loses to Oregon State. I'm like, come on now. Come on, Vols. We were rooting for you. You were the the team in the SEC that I was like, okay, I, I feel good about this. This is a 5 versus 12. I've seen 12s beat the fives before. In fact, I have a 12 beating a five in Georgetown. But I didn't see this one coming. Oregon State, I don't know a whole heck of a lot about it. It's Pac-12 basketball. Pac-12 after dark and football's great. Pac-12 after dark and basketball, I'm usually asleep by then. Then we get to Oklahoma State. They beat, they beat Liberty. I'm glad. Kate Cunningham is a great player. Probably one of the best players in the field of 64, just by himself. Now the basketball team, not so much a fan of, but Adam winning. Now, I think they're going to make it, they're going to make a run now because they're playing Oregon State, who I think they're markedly better than, and they could probably give Illinois a run for their money based off of how the, I think the bracket's going to go going forward. I'm so glad Syracuse won. That was the one real, like, hard upset I had, and I was like, they have to win. Because I always mentioned this. When it comes down to it, I may hate Syracuse. But damn it, every time they're in the tournament, they can wind up pulling off some stuff like this. They can wind up surprising a lot of people. I am going to the Elite Eight in my practice. Then they, then West Virginia handled business against some uh, Moorhead State. Good for them. Clemson losing to Rutgers was like a what-the-hell kind of moment. I was like, why did this happen? Come on now. Again, this was another frustrating moment. I just bemoan that. 
Houston Cougars handled business against Cleveland State. I left out Purdue for a reason because I want to get to them. Why had why did you have to lose to North Texas? Come on. That was one where I was like, I wound up turning it on because I saw my buddy Ross Jackson, Locked On Saints podcast, Canal Street Chronicles, friend of the program. He was tweeting about Purdue. Like, Come on, Purdue. I'm like, okay, I guess I have to see what's going on with Purdue because the Boilermakers have to, have to get this done. They can't like lollygag their way around this. This is a must-win type scenario for them. And then they lost. They, they, they just absolutely fell apart down the stretch. But the fact we saw Ohio State lose when they had a chance to win it over like before overtime, like could not make free throws to save their life down the stretch. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why can't teams pull it off with free throws down the stretch? Mind boggle. Then we've got, you know, that then we got Purdue happening. So I had like three on each side lose. None of them completely destroyed my bracket, but it's a lot like flex tape. You can't fix it. I mean, it's not flex tape here. It doesn't fix all the damage. My final four, though, still intact. And in case you don't know who it is, it's Gonzaga, Texas, Arkansas, Illinois. Those are my final four. I got Gonzaga, Arkansas in the final, and Gonzaga cuts down the nets when it's all said and done. Because I want to see the Zags be able to finally do this. I want to see the, the the little guy finally win one. Now he's not the little guy in the sense of oh hey you know they've they've been a, they've become the blue blood over the last like decade, but they are a team that I feel like is poised to do it. Now of course Illinois is there, Baylor exists, but I feel like Baylor because of the fact they're in a very tough bracket. You've still got Villanova out there. You still got Arkansas out there that could very well make a run and knock you out. That's why I wound up not putting Baylor in my final four. My job Baylor getting out of the round of thirty two because they're playing North Carolina. Thank you very much, Tar Heels. You Melvins. Back after this, I'm gonna go ahead and kinda of calm down for a minute. Because we ain't got much time left in the program. Back after this on 1037 the game on 1037 the game.com. Sports Talk Radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but under the dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037, the game. Letting him swing, and he touches this one deep to right. That is 20 rows up in the bleachers. 2 nothing, Mississippi State. Yowza. LSU baseball lost last night to Mississippi State, and it was just not pretty. Oh, not, not from Jump Street. They looked decent to start the contest. I mean, it was a very much a faster game than I kind of expected on Friday night. Mississippi State beating LSU. Wish it would show this. Let's see. It was 6-1 to one was the final score. And LSU, again, 
was serviceable. But again, it's another reason why I feel like Paul Maneri sometimes leaves guys in a little bit too long. Case in point, last night. Probably should have just pulled pulled Jaden Hill after the seventh. You know, he was looking okay. He only allowed three runs. You're down three one. Pull him, put somebody else in, like Makai Hilliard, and have him pick up the pieces. I was wondering what the hell is going on here. Why are you get why are you giving this thing up? Like you could have probably gotten things done and be able to try and rally back, try and get the bats going again. But of course, you know, McLeod looked damn good. Six innings, three hits, nine strikeouts. It was hard to beat. Then Smith gets the, Brandon Smith gets the save. That's not the way you want to go. But of course, I mean, he keeps it in there a little bit too long. Seventh inning, absolute eighth inning, excuse me, fell apart. Allowed a two-run single. Then you finally pulled him. You should have pulled him before that. Pull him in the seventh. That's the way you do things in this in managing, managing a game. You already had him go seven. Just pull him. Like you, at the end of the day, you're already losing. Try and lessen the damage and not let the spigot pop off. And that's what happened. That's why they lost the game. I don't think it's the only reason why, but it's pretty damn close. And Maneri's had a consistency to do this. This is opening up SEC play, and now you're behind the eight ball. It's the reason why the Cajuns flipped the script and went Spencer Arrighetti on Friday and then Hayden Dirk today. There's a reason why they did that. And you know what it was? Because they were winding up. They didn't want to lose the first game against TCU. They don't want to lose those first games. And if you have that secured ace, you only need one more to win a series. And at the end of the day, two out of three in the SEC or Sunbelt Conference is a big, stinking win. It's a win and it sets you up for better things in the future. That's exactly why we saw the flip, the script get flipped over at the Teagle last night and Spencer Arrighetti, who absolutely looked amazing, and I'm convinced is Cody shoots from an alternate universe. So, yeah, that's what I got on that. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming up next, and I've got some thoughts about what's causing all this with the Saints because, you know, we're getting closer to the draft. I'm not going to give you who I think they should get, but positions they should focus in on. I'm going to rank them for you before we get out of here and let LSU baseball take over. Back after this on 1037 The Game and 1037 The Game.com. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's Time to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 1037, the game.
And welcome everyone, hour number two, uh, or should I say the final 15 minutes left on the program, or better yet, about 10 minutes left in the program, coming to you live from the first South Farm Credit Studios, let's go into double overdrive. Hear this worldwide! And of course, appreciate you listening in, whether or not you're on the free mobile app, and of course, the old school FM dial. This is where the power lies! And of course... We need to play this to start hour number two. Only got about 15 minutes left on the show. Let's do it. When last year I spent more money on spilt liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, Son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! Woo! Oh, yeah. I'm feeling pretty darn good. Hopefully, you are as well on this Louisiana Saturday morning, whether you're brewing up that second pot of coffee, or better yet, you're popping that first top of the day. Because obviously, it's a Louisiana Saturday afternoon. March Man is underway. And right now, Georgetown's losing 47-23 and half. God, I'm hating my bracket now. I'm hating my bracket so darn much. Meanwhile, you know what I'm not hating? The fact that we got golf going on right now. The Louisiana Open presented by Mistras going underway right now. Round number three underway as we speak. And it's definitely a fun one so far. Right now, you've currently got Roberto Diaz, Peter Uline, all tied for first, both of them. They're going to be getting started at 12-10. Hell of a, hell of a second round for both of them, actually. Both at eight under. You had yesterday, Roberto Diaz hit a 65, and then Peter Uline, model consistency, 67. So he's four under on both days. Really good, really good go outgoing for him. Lee Hodges, meanwhile, coming alive down the stretch right now, eight under in round three, jumping 58 spots, tied for third alongside Austin Smotherman, Taylor Montgomery, and friend of the program, Harrison Endicott, along with Daly Vanderwalt. And Harrison Endicott right now, one under. He just got done with the first hole. Then you've got another one. Vanderbilt, he just got to minus six after. And it's a, definitely a log jam. Tied for third right now, but hell of a start for round number three of the Chittimacha Louisiana Open presented by Mistros. Appreciate them for letting us take over that spot over the last few days. Meanwhile, let's get to some Saints talk. Because now we know. What's going on with the Saints in the draft and where things land? We know what they got and who they have and everything. We we know all the stuff going on with the Saints and their and their situation in the draft because we were waiting to see what was going to happen with that undisclosed draft pick, which became disclosed, and what was going to happen with the Saints and their draft pick. Was it going to be taken away? Which one going to be? And early this morning, I woke up and I was feeling pretty good because the Saints. Sixth round pick, or they were going to have no picks taken away. Just before I go on the air, Ian Rapport drops the bomb saying Saints will forfeit their sixth round draft selection and be fined $700,000. And this is why I hate how push notification headlines look from time to time. Bleacher Report puts this out if their app can pull up even because their app is kind of trash for some uh, at some points. But they say Saints get huge COVID penalty. That's the headline. They don't need that. Saints forfeit six-round pick, receive $700,000 fine for violating league's, league's 
COVID protocols last season. That's not that huge, but that's not what I want to get to right now. I want to talk about what I think the Saints should do just solely in terms of position in the NFL draft this year. I think the number one position they need to focus in on is without a doubt linebacker. Now, if a secondary, and I think that's what they should use their first round pick on, but I have been seeing a lot of mock drafts circulate. I saw something, I think it was a SI or Canal, no, Canal Street Chronicles had a weird one. And I'll get to that in a second because they had an interesting pick in the third round that I saw last night. I think this was a Bayou Blitz. The guys over like Bobby Rose and Kyle T. Mosley put out their mock draft version 1.0. I only go one draft, one mock draft. That's it. For me, I think Saints need to go linebacker. That's number one position to focus in on. Number two is secondary. And it's almost a 1A, 1B type thing for me. If you can get a really good corner round one, do it. Just do it. Put put the effort into it. Get a corner. J.C. Horn was somebody me and Ross talked about last week. I think I'd love to see him in there. If you can get him, great. Take it. Take over. Build depth in the secondary more in the day two and day three. Linebacker is also something you need to focus in on. Day two, at least one of your picks has to be linebacker for this to be a successful draft in my mind. To be an A to an A-plus type of draft. Then we get to what else they're going to do. And I think there's a lot of different questions that I have for the Saints. Is do you more in those later rounds focus on cornerback depth? Because I think CB is the most important thing that you have. Or do you in day two take the risk? Because you've got two third round picks. Don't remember that. You got three picks in the in those two days. Second and two thirds. You were able to keep those. So I think second round you go linebacker. Third, another really solid corner to add depth. Or a running back if you're if you want to kind of like hedge your bets on the future of Latavius Murray. We'll see. So I've got that. Then I'm also going to put into the equation. Let's go ahead and add in a quarterback. I think quarterback late day one could be the could be something. If you want to have a guy that you you can spend some time developing, because at the end of the day, I don't know who is going to be available late first round. And I know Mac Jones is a sexy pick. Keep him the hell away from my Saints. I don't think he's going to be that good. But I'll give you one name in particular. And I saw our guy, Troy Brashear Jr., the student broadcaster of the year. He wound up going with, He's mentioning Trey Lance, and his, his mentality just needs to stop with that. I'm sorry, but Trey Lance is not an answer. I think one guy I've been intrigued in, the Saints could consider getting in day two, in book is the guy that's out there that Sean Payton outright said on the Dan Patrick show earlier this week. Don't believe me? I'll pull it up for you in just a second. He said this outright on Dan Patrick earlier this week talking about Ian Book 
A kid at Notre Dame is pretty scrappy. I I, I was kind of – I mean, he's obviously a, a, a much better quarterback than I ever thought about being, but he's pretty interesting to watch on tape. You know, he finds a way to win. Now, obviously, he's comparing him to himself, but you got to think he knows enough about him to where he can just say, hey, I like this kid. Let's go ahead and, let's go ahead and plug him in. I'm sure Drew Brees is – speaking into his ear a little bit after all that he saw. Because I'm, I'm almost certain Drew Brees has been looking at film from Notre Dame to get an idea before he heads into the booth. I'm certain of that. Now, that said, I think the Saints should go either in book or I'm going to throw a wild card out here. And I'll probably get some hate for this from some people. Some love from others. Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger should be the guy the Saints pick with their final, with whatever pick they have in day two, where he kind of lands at. Hell, if he's a third rounder, take him. Just take him. He's there. He's ripe for the picking, and I think he's he'd fit well with Drew Brees. With excuse me, Drew Brees. Listen to me, Sean Payton system. I think he'd fit really well in that system. So give me Sam Ellinger as the starting quarter, as a quarterback of the future for the New Orleans Saints. Texas guy, I'm sure he fit well in an offense. Give him a couple of years, and obviously, you got Jameis Winston. If Jameis Winston doesn't pan out, spoilers, you can switch to Sam Ellinger, just like that. I think that's the way things are going to go. But that's about all I got for the show today. We'll be back with you next week, hopefully with a full blown show, getting full gear. But now we're getting into full gear. Of LSU coverage right here on 1037 The Game. So keep it locked right here on the FM dial. Streaming people, sorry, you won't get LSU basketball. See ya.